They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers here on this Thursday morning. Amen. 20th of August, 2020. Yep. And our scripture reading is from the 20th week in Ordinary Time. And the first reading is from the book of Ezekiel, which we won't read, but at the, it, I, I just want to tell everybody, pay attention right now to what's mm-hmm. going on in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is warning and warning and warning the people that the Lord is going to chastise them for their sins. And, and that, by the way, applies to us in our times. God will... That's uh, how it operates. He, he's going to chastise us yeah. from our sins. But the beautiful thing, the reading on Thursday is God's promise that, yes, although he's going to chastise them for his, their sins, he will restore them to his grace. And, and the, the responsorial psalm for Thursday is, I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. You see, the Lord, when he chastises us, he does it to correct us mm-hmm. so that we'll give up our sins and turn back to him. So all of this, you know, the confusion that happens in society when we have to face the, the effects of our sins, when we have to um, live with the consequences of our own actions, you know, don't run away from it. Just say, yes, Lord, I was... I was wrong. I, I, I humble myself. I need your grace. And, and I offer up these, these painful consequences in reparation for my sins and turn back to the Lord. And, and in our time, we need to turn back to the Lord. In our country, especially, needs to turn back to the Lord. We especially need to repent of the millions of children who have been murdered um, before they were born through abortion, but also the millions who are countless that we don't even mention who've been murdered before they were born, through the use of contraceptives, because contraceptives are not necessarily always contraceptive. Right. They, they, when they don't prevent conception, they cause spontaneous abortions. So uh, even, even if you could, even if you could contracept the children so that they never existed, that's against the will of God. God made marriage, and he made it to be fruitful. Marriage is supposed to be an image and likeness of God. God is fruitful. And so when we exclude the possibility of children from our marriage, by the way, if we were to totally exclude the possibility, if we say, no, we're not going to have children, then you can't have a marriage. Nope. Okay, children are an integral part of marriage. Now, if God doesn't bless you with children, if it's no, through no fault of your own that you're not blessed with children, then that's not, that doesn't nullify your marriage. But if you mutually agree that you're not going to have children, then there's no marriage. Because these two ends to marriage. Love and life. Right. And without the two, you, you know... Union and, and procreation. Right. And, you know, Bishop Strickland, who's our new show here on Virgin Most Powerful, he's going to be talking about that very thing uh, because he's doing the Ten Commandments. He's on the Sixth Commandment. Awesome. And the second yeah. half of the Catechism on the Sixth Commandment talks all about the fecundity of marriage. Oh, sure. And it hits on Hemane Vitae. Beautiful. And just beautiful teachings of the relationship between the husband and wife. Beautiful. So... God is calling us to repentance, everyone. So in the Gospel of Matthew, what do we have? Jesus again, in reply, spoke to the chief priests and the elders, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away. 
one to the farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of the servants and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murders, and burned their city. Then the king said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out to the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man not dressed in a wedding garment. He said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. The king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him out into the darkness outside where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And so the king, of course, is is the father in heaven who has prepared the wedding feast. And, of course, the wedding feast is the wedding feast of the lamb, mm-hmm. a banquet for his son. And we are all invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. But are we going to be ready to go when the Lord calls us? Will be will we be ready to accept his call and um, you know come come home to the Lord? So he prepares this banquet. Mm-hmm. God in the Old Testament sent his prophets to prepare for the coming of the Lord Jesus, to prepare his people. And how did they treat the prophets? Well, it's described here in this passage, and of course we know, you know, the prophets often they were killed, they were stoned, they were uh, not treated very nicely, for the most part. Um, you know, people, and do we have the same problem today? Do we want to listen to the gospel, or do we want to surround ourselves with teachers who tickle our ears? Mm. We've been invited to union with God. This wedding banquet means union with God. And are we willing to give up our attachment to the things of this earth in order to have will- our union with God? Or are we still trying to hang on to the things of this earth and saying, oh, well, God understands, you know, God, God loves us so much. You know, he's going to get us all into heaven. You know, he's, he's not going to exclude anybody. Well, honey, God gave us free will and he honors that free will and God is faithful. Mm-hmm. He's not going to violate your free will. So if you reject God all your life, do you think when you die, it's going to change your will? Nope. Mother Angelica used to say, honey. Death isn't going to change your will. It's only going to solidify it. So if you've been rejecting God all your life, don't think it's going to change at the moment of your death. Unless there's someone there who's really praying and sacrificing and suffering for you, for your salvation. So at the moment of your death, you will have the grace to repent, which can happen. But we have to be open to the invitation. We have to be ready to accept the Lord's call. And we have to be willing to give up all our attachment to all the things of this earth. And sometimes the hardest attachments for us to give up are the attachments to ourselves, our own ideas, our own uh, preconceived notions, our, you know, well, I want it this way. I, mm-hmm. you know, my family life should be like this. I should be having peace. I, Lord, I serve you every day. There should be harmony and peace and, in my family, and, and there shouldn't be any trouble. There shouldn't be any suffering. There shouldn't be any uh, discord. There shouldn't, well, wait a minute, um, Jesus said that following the gospel would make your enemies the people in your own home. Not, not because he's making them your enemies, but because if we really follow the gospel, 
then it convicts us of sin. And it convicts each person that we have to repent of our sins. And sometimes, you know, we don't take fraternal correction very well, do we? And, you know, Father Stephen, one of the priests my wife and I go to Mass to over at St. Joseph's in Pomona, mentioned the souvenirs from hell, that we have to get rid of those. In other words, the attachment to inordinate pleasures or even habits that we've been doing all our life and saying, oh, well, I just, I'm just that way. Yeah. Now, that doesn't work. Right, right. Was it a, you know, how does I'm, I may not be perfectly uh, healthy, wealthy, or wise, but I'm always perfectly me. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Are we called to be perfectly me? Nope. Or are we called to be Christ? Amen. And, and yes, there is, you know, how do you say this? We don't, God doesn't annihilate our um, individuality. But nonetheless, we, because of original sin, we are oriented towards sin and away from God. So that has to be corrected in us. And that can be done only through the grace of God, only by relying on God. And God doesn't force us in our will. He gives us free will to choose because there wouldn't be opportunity for merit if it was forced upon us. Exactly, exactly. And this, this wedding banquet, of course, is prefigured here on earth through the Eucharist. Yep. Jesus Christ is present. He is the bridegroom of our souls. That was that beautiful song, you know, and humbly right. I receive thee, the bridegroom of my soul. Mm. No more by sin to grieve thee nor fly thy sweet control, that I perfectly surrender my will to God yeah. so that I will that his will be accomplished in my life. But Jesus is present in the Eucharist, and so that union begins here on earth. And then it also points to that time when we will be with Jesus in heaven, the mm-hmm. wedding feast of the Lamb. And, you know, some people say, well, wait a minute, you know, this guy comes in, he, the, the, the man, he, he, he invited his friends, and they rejected the, the, the invitation. So he sends, he sends his servants out into the highways and byways and tells us to bring in everybody, the poor, the lame, the sick. The, and one man doesn't have a wedding garment on, and he throws him out. Well, wait a minute. What, where is he supposed to get a wedding garment? Yeah. Well, a wealthy man who invites poor people to his home provides for, for a wedding feast, provides for them the garments that's, that's necessary. And, and the, that wedding garment is a symbol of, you know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the deeds of the saints. Okay, Revelation 19, 7 through 8. It's the righteous deeds that accompany faith. So when we have faith in the Lord, that will be shown in the charity that we show to our neighbor. What did Jesus say about the last judgment? I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was away from home, you welcomed me. I was a prisoner, I was sick, you visited me. Whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me. So these things, these, these are the wedding garment that we put on. And we do this with God's help. God provides. It is God who makes the wedding garment. But if we don't cooperate, if we don't go out and do the charitable works, then there's nothing to work with. Also, Mary, this, the idea of living in the state of grace in other words, with friendship with God, opens up the graces for us, for actual graces, to do our duty well. Exactly. It's much more difficult to do it if you're, if you're living in the state of mortal sin. Much right. more difficult. Right, and not only that, there is, if we're living in the state of mortal sin, there is, there is no merit, there's no, we, right. <laughs> there's no grace. We have to ask the Lord to take the sin away. Amen. And go to confession. Hey, people, confession, you know? We're so blessed to have that great sacrament of confession whereby our mortal sins can be forgiven. All right, we're going to come back, talk about religious freedom in the Bible here on The Bible with the Barbers. Don't turn that down. Push us on that button for YouTube as uh, liking us. Appreciate that. Be right back.
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eye to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code, the NPR, to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the imminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com code VMPR live porn free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, St. Paul says, So there abide faith, hope, and love, these three. According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end. And God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of His Son. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Because Welcome back to the Barbers. I'm laughing because if you could hear some of the uh, conversation my wife and I have during the breaks, I said, you're wowing me. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, her insights in Scripture always wow me, and I hope they're wowing you. Mary Danielle, before you get back to religious freedom and the Bible, I have a big announcement to make to everybody. We're going to have a four-part debate. And are you ready for the names of the people on this debate? See if you recognize this name. Father Benedict Rochelle. He passed away years ago, but we're going to bring his video back up on the Holy Eucharist and defending the church. It's going to be great. We said a voice from the grave comes back to defend Holy Mother of the Church, Father Benedict Rochelle. How about Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN? Yeah? Have you ever heard of Scott Hahn? Yeah? We're going to have all these guys come in on September 20th, and um, that's going to be the uh, beauty of this um, debate. It's going to be on YouTube and on our app, and uh, I want you to mark it down for the 20th, or excuse me, the 12th of September. Jesse Romero will be giving his talk on how apologetics brought him back to his Catholic faith. So we're going to have a great day on the uh, 12th of September. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org to find out more information. Okay, my love. 
Well, very good. And I hope you all will tune in that day on the 20th of September and listen to that day. You will love it. It's great. Now, religious liberty. So where do we get our ideas about religious liberty? Does the Bible have anything to say about it? Yep. Well, if we look at Matthew 22, 21, we have Jesus and in this little, um, he's always having a little dialogue and debate with the the scribes and Pharisees, right? They were always trying to trip him up in his speech and trap him in this or that and make him, you know, trying to make him look like a fool. And what happens is they're asking him the question about paying taxes. Again, they're trying to make a dichotomy between our civil life and our, our, our civil duty and our religious practice. And, of course, it was difficult, a little more difficult for them because they were in the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and the Roman emperor set himself up as a god. You know, so, um, so far our president hasn't done that. No. As a matter of fact, we have a president right now who acknowledges God oh, every single day. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, and they do Bible studies at the White House and, and they pray. So, but here's the deal. At the end of this, you know, the, he asked, Jesus asked for the coin and he said, well, whose head is on it and whose inscription? Mm-hmm. Oh, Caesar's. Oh, okay. Well, then give it to Caesar. You know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And so where does our religious liberty come from? It comes from that. We, we give to, to, to the world. Yes, we, we have to be people living in this world, but not of this world. But we belong to God, first and foremost. God made us, and he made us for himself. And again, how did the apostles respond to different things that happened? So we look at Acts 4.19 and Acts 5.29. In Acts 4.19, Peter and John have been brought before the Sanhedrin. Okay, and... Um, the Sanhedrin is amazed at how boldly these men, who are uneducated men, <laughs> are speaking. They're fishermen. And they tell Peter, so, you know, don't speak in that name anymore. You're not to tell anyone about the name of Jesus. And Peter responds in Acts 4.19. Peter and John respond. Judge, for, he said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. So he's telling him, essentially Peter's saying, look, God has told us to do this. Are we supposed to listen to you now and ignore God? And, and he says, you judge that. Well, so they continue to preach. And then what happens in Acts 5? They're arrested. Remember that? They were arrested. And then the angel lets them out at night. And they get out of the jail. And then he says, go back into the temple and teach. And the next day when they go to the jail to bring them in, they're going to bring them before the Sanhedrin. The jailer comes and says, well, the jail is empty. The guards are in their place. Everything's locked. And... They're not there. And then somebody comes and says, well, they're in the temple teaching. So they bring them, but without a show of force. And, you know, and again, Peter and the apostles answers, we must obey God rather than men. All right. We must obey God rather than men. And here's the deal. The foundation, the foundational premise of civil disobedience is this here. We must obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29. It insists that believers cannot submit to human authorities, institutions, and laws that contradict the law of God. And, and the cross references here are Wisdom 6, 1 through 3, uh, 1 through 3 and Mark 7, 8 through 13. Part of the Christian mission is to bring civil legislation in line with divine law. Yep. Okay? And when this proves unsuccessful, to make a courageous stand in favor of the gospel. 
So when we have laws that are unjust, we need to oppose them. We have to stand for the gospel. We have to stand for the truth. In this episode, the mandate of Jesus to preach the gospel overrides the charge of the Sanhedrin to keep silent, which was in 418, the one we already read. The Sanhedrin told them to keep silent, and they said, well, you have to judge. And then we have the Catechism of the Catholic Church, several paragraphs that talk about religious liberty, its meaning, and, its, and how do we practice it as Christians. Okay, And we have um, in paragraph 2105, I won't be able to do it all because there's, there's a lot here, but I'll, I'll read some of them and highlight some things. Mm-hmm. It says, the duty of offering God genuine worship concerns both, concerns men, man, individually and socially. This, catch that, that's a duty. The duty mm-hmm. of offering God genuine worship. And it concerns not just the individual, it concerns society. Okay, wake up everybody, paragraph 2105 in the Catechism. This is the traditional Catholic teaching on the moral duty of individuals and societies toward true religion and the one church of Christ. Jesus only founded one church, the Roman Catholic Church. By constantly evangelizing men, the church works toward enabling them to infuse the Christian spirit into the mentality and mores, the morals, the laws and the structures of the communities in which they live. So we're supposed to be the leaven. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the leaven that brings God into everything and shows people how to live by God's law. All right? The Ten Commandments aren't suggestions, and they didn't become obsolete at any point. You mean there's no expiration date on that? There's no expiration date on that. We still should be following the Ten Commandments, right? right? (laughs) The social duty of Christians is to respect and awaken in each man the love of the true and the good. It requires them to make known the worship of the one true religion which subsists in the Catholic and Apostolic Church. Christians are called to be the light of the world. Thus, the church shows forth the kingship of Christ over all creation, in particular over human societies. So Jesus Christ is the king. You know, there's no divine right of kings. No, Jesus is the king. Any human ruler receives his authority from God to rule, but he's supposed to be ruling and leading us in a way that we're following the commandments of God. Mary, let me just jump in and say that you're giving us the scriptural, you know, support for religious freedom. And over the centuries, the Catholic Church has had great saints implementing that. Yes. And we just celebrated back in August 16th, St. Catherine of Siena. Uh, and she has a great inspirational statement. You know, to She's asking us to speak the truth of Jesus Christ boldly, joyfully, and filled with his light. And Bishop Strickland tweeted this. He said, the darkness of evil loves silence oh, yeah. but children of light must sing out in a joyful choir of love and truth bishop strickland says hallowed be god's name mm-hmm. this was a tweet but it just fit with what we're talking about yes. religious freedom we have to speak with the to the truth with clarity and charity right right now there you go she says we've had enough exhortations to be silent she says cry out with a hundred uh, thousand tongues. I like the way she said that. Yeah. She says, I see that the world is rotten because of silence. That's what St. Catherine of Siena. 
And what's inter- interesting is that today, Thursday, the another, 20th, yeah. the feast today is St. Bernard of oh, Clairvaux. Another great saint. And Bernard defended the rights of the church yep. against kings and princes. Oh, you got to hear this. You know, he had to defend them. Yep. In addition, uh, so encroachments by them. In other words, the, the, the kings and princes who wanted to give orders to the church. And he's not the only one who had to do this. There were other saints, too. Oh, yeah. St. Thomas of Becket gave his life for it. St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher gave right. it. Uh, Thomas of Becket was under Henry II in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Fisher and, Hen- and Thomas More were under Henry VIII in, in England. But those aren't the only places where the saints have had to withstand the, the temporal order, the temporal powers to say, no, you don't have a right to give orders to the church. You don't have a right to take what belongs to the church for yourself. Right. You know, different things. And St. Bernard not only defended the church against the encroachments of the civil authorities, he also recalled the Archbishop of Sens and the Bishop of Paris to their duty. He had to call them back to their duty. Bernard was a monk. He mm-hmm. was a, a Cistercian, and he, was, he founded Clairvaux. So... We need to stand up for the truth, and it is the mission of the church. The church travels the same journey of all humanity and shares the same earthly lot with the world. Mm. She is to be 11 and, as it were, the soul of human society. Which paragraph is this, Mary? This is paragraph 854. She is to be the soul of human society Mm -hmm. in its renewal by Christ and transformation into the family of God. Have we forgotten that our purpose here on earth is to build the kingdom of God? Now, that's not an earthly kingdom that's going to last forever. I thought we were still here to wash our hands and stay healthy. Yeah, stay, no, right, exactly. Social distance yeah. and wear masks, you know. <laughs> we're putting, what we're saying is the emphasis right now is too much on the natural rather than the supernatural. We've lost sight of who we are as yeah. a church. Yep. As a church, we are supposed to be evangelists building the kingdom of God. Amen. And building the kingdom of God doesn't mean we're looking for a utopian society where everything is perfect. Okay. There's always going to be disease. There's always going to be sickness. By the way, um, I hope you're all sitting down. Mm, You know, um, none of us is getting out of it alive. Last time I looked. Even if you don't die of COVID, you're going to die. We're all going to die. You think? I love it. None of us gets out alive. It happens, you know, and 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 uh, and the real question is, do we stay, do we die in the state of grace or the state of mortal sin? And we're here to make our priority that we die in the state of grace. I don't mind. Let's just be honest with it, Mary. If I live to be 100 years, that's nothing compared to eternity. It's nothing compared to eternity. You know, 70 years or 80 for those who are but strong. The Bible says what the Bible says. Yep. And yet, even if you live like that, like you say, well, what, what do you say about the person who lives to be 100? And there are a few people yeah. who live to be 100, but you know, most of us aren't going to live that long. Nope. And even if we do, what is that in comparison to eternity? Not much. It's not. Drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. Eternity is eternity. Yep. You know? And we're not, our finality is with God in heaven. It's not on this earth. Amen. We're not looking to build a permanent paradise. And the world as we know it, Paul tells us, is passing away. So our, we need to refocus on Christ and find out what this, what is our obligation towards society in regards to passing on the faith. Mary, you're giving a biblical perspective on life. What a novel idea. Strange. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers, talking about religious freedom in the Bible. We'll be right back after a short break. 
Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app for him. I went on vacation, and, you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, this is a pre-recorded show. Thank you, Matthew, for bringing us back. So we can't take live calls, but you yeah. can you can send in questions on the app, and I do try and answer those. Um, so hopefully- And you know, Mary, you've gotten questions from India, Japan, all over the world, And I just want to tell everybody that all the shows that Virgin Most Powerful Radio puts out are podcast also, meaning that you can go back to any of the shows 24-7 at your time, not our time, so they doesn't have to listen to it live. And I'd like to ask everybody, I keep been told by our social media guys upstairs, promote this on social media, your YouTube channel, like us, uh, send it to your friends. Get the word out about new shows with Bishop Joseph Strickland, Dr. Sandoval's new show on mental health and spiritual health. We've got a wealth of shows that should help a lot of people, and we can't get the word out uh, without you. So like us on YouTube and Facebook and tell your friends all about what we're doing here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Yes, and uh, getting back to this whole thing about what does mm-hmm. the Bible teach us about our mm-hmm. role in society? Yeah. You know, what is our obligation? Mm-hmm. Well, the citizen's obligation. This is paragraph. This is paragraph 2242. You, this is an important one. 2242. The citizen mm-hmm. is obliged in conscience yes. not to follow the directives of civil authorities 
when they are contrary to the demands of the moral order, to the fundamental rights of persons, or to the teaching of the gospel. Refusing obedience to civil authorities when their demands are contrary to those of an upright conscience finds its justification in the distinction between serving God and serving the political community. And they give you the exact quotes I've given you before. Render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's yep. and to God the things that are God's. That's Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, mm-hmm. And we must obey God rather than man. Acts 529. So we might have to oppose civil authority, but we still respect the offices that are, that are there, and we don't cause anarchy in society. We don't go out and loot and riot right. and burn and kill. That's not what we do. We pray peacefully. We carry signs that say this is not a just law. This is immoral. And, and right now, again, Terry and Jesse on Monday mentioned this whole reality that our Protestant brothers are not going to sit down and let the government tell them they can't worship. They're going to say, no, we, we can worship God. Amen. And what about us as Catholics? Where are we? Are we awake? Are we asleep? What happened? We're just going to sit back and say, oh, well, you know, the government, we have to just obey. That's not what God says, and it's not what the church teaches. When, when the government's telling us we can't worship God publicly, by the way, we have a moral obligation to what publicly worship God. That's not, you know, we can be dispensed from our obligation to go to Mass on Sunday, sure. And, and people, I mean, if we already know that if people are very gravely ill, they don't have to go to Mass on Sunday. If you're taking care of someone who's very gravely ill and you have no one else to, to relieve you, you're, you're dispensed from your obligation. But no one can dispense you from the obligation to keep holy the Sabbath day. That's right. That commandment nobody can dispense you from. And, and, and public worship is part of that keeping holy the Sabbath day. So we come together as a community because we are a community where the ecclesia is, is God's community, the kahal. It's, it's a gathering of God's people. We're not just individuals. And you know, Mary, St. John Paul II pointed out, and the catechism does too, that we have a moral obligation to vote with a Catholic conscience. See, we can pray, but voting also is on the natural level that, you know, for those people, John Paul II said this, that if you don't vote in an election because, you know, you just can't do it because of whatever, you don't want to do it, John Paul II says that's sinful. You have to be part of the process because if you don't stand up for whatever party is better than the other, it's not perfect party. Obviously, there's no perfect party unless Jesus Christ or Our Lady was running for office, but they're not. So for us to just stay out of the political process, it's a sin of omission from what St. John Paul II said. Obviously, we need to pray. But please, vote with your Catholic moral conscience because, you know, when you vote, when you don't vote or you vote for the individual who's supporting abortion, supporting same-sex marriage, you're participating in that sin by supporting that politician. Now, if that's the first time you've heard that, I'm sorry. Out of charity, I need to tell you that so that you're culpable of making the right decision because so many times people say things like, oh, I'm a pro-choice Catholic. Honey, that's not even a possibility. Not a possibility. That's a contradiction in terms. Uh, other than, you know, yeah, well, I'm pro-choice too. I believe in free will. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could make Clarify your choice. You have, yeah. you have free will. But remember something. Mm. 
you cannot be for the murder of innocent unborn children and still be Catholic. That's right. By the very fact that you are for the murder of innocent unborn children, you have excluded yourself from communion with God. Yep. Those are God's children. Whatever you did to the least of my brethren, you did to me. And you know, Mary, that's why Cardinal Burke, who's at the highest court at one time for canon law, made it clear even just this last month that those politicians who support uh, abortion are no longer able to receive Holy Communion until they repent of supporting the killing of innocent babies. And without doing that, they're not able to receive Holy Communion. And as a matter of fact, they shouldn't be receiving our vote because of that same thing, because they've broken their line as being in the, ch- in the church. They've excommunicated themselves by a sacrilegious event, and that is by supporting the killing of innocent life. Notice I said Innocent life. Right. Innocent life. We don't. And, and the deal is, it's not about the politicians in our country. The politicians are not there to represent themselves or special interest groups. And what's interesting is what's happened is because um, a lot of people are silent, mm-hmm. the silent majority, we, we've allowed our politicians to become people who represent interest, special interest groups who, by the way, pay the money. You know, it's like that. The, the money being given to Black Lives Matter is being, is being funneled into a particular political party. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Planned Parenthood is paying politicians of a particular political party to further their ends. Well, those, that's not, remember, abortion was never voted into law in the United States of America. That's a fact. It was, it was legislated yep. by five judges. Yep. Who weren't, who weren't actually, and I'm saying legislated. Mm-hmm. The judges on the Supreme Court are not supposed to be legislating. They're supposed to interpret the law. That Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Dalton were not interpretations of the law. They were legislation from the bench by five men, okay, who said that abortion on demand was allowed under the Constitution, uh, oh, under the right to privacy, which doesn't exist in the Constitution, Okay, so that was a lie. And it wasn't a matter. Anyone who votes for abortion is not representing the people. So but the reality is, is in what Ben Shapiro says, in what universe are you living where a woman has a right to kill her own baby? That's crazy. I I mean, ideas have consequences. Mm -hmm. This is not a private matter. No. If parents have a right to kill their own children, this is not a private matter. There is no longer any safety anywhere in the universe. The safest place in the universe should be a mother's womb. That's right. Because of the bond between the mother and the child. There's actually an exchange of cells where the baby's cells are implanted in the mother's brainstem. And the mother's cells, some of the mother's cells, are implanted in the baby's (laughs) brainstem. So that there's a direct connection between them. Awesome. So that when the mother suffers, the baby suffers. And when the baby suffers, the mother suffers. Yeah, it's powerful. And and those cells are there. And and it's amazing the things they've learned. And and so that's that's an instance of, yeah, civil disobedience. We can't obey a law that says you can kill children. We have to oppose this. And And we have to oppose it vocally and loudly and constantly until we're able to change it. We need to defend our most innocent, defenseless citizens. We do. And, Mary, this is something that... We have millions of Catholics in this country that can really make a change for the better, for the life of the unborn, the life of the longborn, the elderly. And it, here's the tragedy, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Over the last 40 years, since Roe versus Wade, I've noticed the people who vote for uh, you know, life and people who vote for death, that we Christians, especially as Catholics, have not voted any differently than secular people. And that's an indictment on our church. I mean, just be honest. 
we haven't got they haven't got the message. And why do you think we're so bold about saying this now? I'll tell you why. Because souls are at risk. Right. And people are saying, well, you guys started talking about religious liberty. And what does this all have to do with religious oh, liberty? Oh, boy, everything. I'll tell you what it does. You see, when Roe versus Wade happened and the Catholic Church as a whole remained silent and didn't stand up as a whole and say, no, yeah. this, is an, this is an encroachment on our religious liberty. Right. Because he, this is where religious liberty applies. That's right. The, the gospel and the law of God is supposed to apply to society. Yep. And God does not approve the killing of unborn children. No, he didn't invent abortion. He didn't invent sin. For those of you out there, you young people who have been misinformed. He didn't invent sin. He didn't invent murder. He didn't invent abortion. Mm -hmm. God allows evil only because he can bring a greater good out of it. And he'll only allow that evil that he can bring a greater good out of. But he also allows us to have free will. And he's not going to violate our free will. So we we needed to fight against abortion we actually needed to fight before that. We needed to fight when the, the Griswold versus Connecticut went down 1965. in 1968. 65. Which was, 65, mm-hmm. which, which allowed—it right. struck down the state's rights to outlaw the sale of contraceptives yep. in their states. Connecticut. Yep. Up, until, up, in, up, up until then, any state could outlaw the sale of contraceptives in their states. Yep. And that took away their right. And then within eight years, you had— Roe versus Wade. Yeah, you had to have the contraceptives first because the contraceptives made so that you would have unwanted pregnancies. By the way, Planned Parenthood and the people who promote abortions knew what they were doing. But this is an encroachment on religious liberty because in our religious liberty, we're supposed to be promoting the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, every human person is seen as a unique, unrepeatable image and likeness of God. And they're welcome. Mary, you didn't say where you got that from, but I got it from Hermione Vitae. Pope Paul VI said... That when you have a contraceptive mentality, it will lead to divorce and abortion. He was right on. Look what's happened. Absolutely. It's going to lead to degradation in society. And now what's interesting is with COVID-19, it's led all the way to the government coming to the point of saying, now you can't go to church on Sunday. Unbelievable. Because you might get sick. Oh, yeah, right. And yet the abortion clinics remained open and women were dying and so were babies. And they weren't practicing social distancing or wearing masks. And they're not even regulated. Is this microphone on? What you just said is horrible, but we know that with God's grace, we can turn this around. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. We'll be back for the final segment. Don't turn that down. got Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment, you know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest, I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You That's know, right. If God gave us a lot, you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this, I just want to call all the people, you know, I got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We gotta, we have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the divine mercy chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. 30 years old, 29 years old, five kids. How does the baby move in your 
tell me, how does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby I love it. Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Wow, Mary, this show's gone by really fast. This hour is going a lot faster than I thought. So yeah, the last segment. Here we are. We're at the last segment. And I want to read paragraph 450 in the Catechism. Mm. You'll notice in the Catechism that as you go to a paragraph, in the side margins, there'll be little um, numbers and italics. And it's cross-referencing other paragraphs that relate to what you're reading there. So you want to look those up, too, and then check the footnotes and the Scripture references in the footnotes. Uh, Father Glenn Botten, who is a convert to the Catholic Church, mentioned that as a Protestant minister, he was using the Catechism I of the Catholic it. Church to fun. prepare his preaching. So uh, it's for everybody. You know, this is just the perennial teachings of Christ. It's an explanation to help us understand more deeply. Yeah. So paragraph 450, from the beginning of Christian history, the assertion of Christ's lordship over the world and over history has implicitly recognized that man should not submit his personal freedom mm. in an absolute manner to any earthly power. We do not submit our freedom in an absolute manner to any earthly power, but only to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Caesar is not the Lord. The church believes that the key, the center, and the purpose of the whole of man's history is to be found in its Lord and Master. Okay, and so you can, um, Caesar is not the Lord. You can reference that in Revelation eleven fifteen, Mark 12, 17, and Acts 5, 29. And it's, it's God. It's the Lord Jesus who is our Lord and Master. And this is what we're supposed to be promoting. And from paragraph 450, they, they cross-reference there paragraphs 668 and through 672, and they also cross-reference paragraph 2242, which, which we've already talked mm -hmm. about, where the civil disobedience thing. So this is all tied together, and there's so much about man's obligation to honor and bear witness to the truth. If you look up paragraph 2467, and <clears throat> well, it's here. I have it marked somewhere. 
2467. There, mm, it is. there it is. So man tends by nature toward the truth. He is obliged to honor and bear witness to it in accord with the dignity that all men, it, it is in accordance with their dignity that all men, because they are persons, are both impelled by their nature and are bound by moral obligation to seek the truth, especially, especially religious truth. Yes, especially, in other words, primarily, our first, the first truth, and that's the greatest truth, religious truth, because what is the greatest reality? That God exists. And by the way, that's not an article of faith. It's, it's a self-evident fact that there is a God. There had to be someone who created everything. We call him God, okay? Amen. And he is the truth. He is the source of truth. The things that we can discover with our own mind in terms of the, the passing world and the observations we make about it, you know, we have to correct ourselves all the time. But God is unchanging. And he exists. Now, there's much we cannot know about God without faith. But that he is, we can know. And that he is beautiful, that he is good, he is ordered, he, he um, is um, truthful. We can know that just by looking at creation, the goodness, the beauty, the order, the truth in creation. So you don't need faith to know those things. But we need to fight for our religious liberty. We have a right and a duty to come to know God. You know, it doesn't change God one iota, whether no. we know him or not. Right. God didn't have to make us. He doesn't depend on us. No. He made us simply out of the goodness of his own goodness because he wanted to share his happiness with us. And what I think about him doesn't make him who he is. Nope. He is independent of me. It's, right. I am who, it's I who am dependent on him. And to get a good understanding of that, there's an encyclical that came out in 1925 on the kingship of Christ. Yeah. And for homework, I know, Bible with the Barbers, check <laughs> it out, Google the kingship of Christ, 1925, and it's a short document, but it talks a lot about that Jesus Christ is the king of kings, and, and every inch of this planet is under his kingship. Yep, That's something that uh, we might not hear enough of. Right, right. And so go through the catechism, you know, look up this whole thing about religion and, and, and liberty, and you won't find religious liberty, but you will find religion. And, but, but the paragraphs I've talked about, we've talked about here today, mm -hmm. paragraphs 2242, paragraphs um, 2105, paragraphs 2467, paragraph 450, paragraph 668 through 672, and there's others. Paragraph 854, paragraph 889. Just the reality that what is our purpose here on this earth? Amen. Are we here to live in this world forever? Or, or, or are we losing our religious liberty? Did we begin to lose our religious liberty when we began to say, well, you know, we Catholics, we can't impose our ideas about marriage and family on the rest of the world. Well, excuse me, we're not imposing anything. It's not about imposing. It's about informing. Amen. God has given us the fullness of the truth. Mm -hmm. As Catholics, it's our obligation to share the fullness of the truth with everyone. I don't have to force anyone to accept it. We all have free will. We need to leave people free to either choose or reject. God leaves us free. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a frightful thing. You know, people have said to, you know, young people have said, well, why would God make me if he knew I was going to go to hell? Well, he didn't make you to go to hell, honey. He made you free so that you could love. 
But you have to choose. If you're going to love, you have to be free. And yes, that's a frightening thing because you can get deceived and you can get trapped into choosing things that aren't God. And then you end up in hell. (laughs) So you want to ask God every day for the grace. You know, that's what we have the sacraments for. Confession, when we fall down. Communion every day to unite us to Christ and take away our venial sins. If we commit mortal sins, we have to go to confession. But to, and to pray every day, to nourish that relationship with God. You know, what does religious freedom mean to us in society if we're not living it personally in our life? Religious freedom is about that knowing that Jesus Christ is the king, that he is the Lord and the sovereign, that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the one that we live for. There's one God, three divine persons. One God, three divine persons. And we live for them. We were made by them. We were made for them. We were made for union with them. And we were made for love. We were made by love for love. But we have to exercise religious liberty within the civil society. We have to demand that the government cannot tell us we can't worship God publicly. And, and you know, you can worship God in the heat of the summer or in the cold of the winter without a building if you have to. Many people have done it. And there are those doing it in the heat of the summer of Southern California, which isn't the hottest place. No. <laughs> and, and, you know, Mary, if we think about history, the church has been suffering greatly in, the, um, in, in Eastern Europe with communism yeah. for 70 years. We had pictures of people in Europe in a bombed-out church, and it, it, it's a blizzard conditions, and they're down kneeling at church in the snow. Yeah, they're, they're worshiping God in the snow. They don't have a building. They have the old, the, the, the frame. Is, yeah, I mean, the, just the, excuse frame. me, not the, 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 foundation. Yeah, the foundation. It's not even the frame. It's just the foundation. It's a, the outline of the church on the ground there, and wow. there they are. And the priest is offering Holy Mass, and the people are there out yeah. in the winter. And this is not, this is not you know, your milder winters of, of our climate here. No, no, it's super You're talking cool. about Siberia and Ukraine and some yeah. pretty, pretty tough winters. And so are we willing to say to the government, you know what, you can come and take my home. Yep. You can come and take my bank accounts. You can come and you can put me in jail. You can even take my life, but you can't take my God away from me. We need to beg God for the grace to be willing to die martyrs or to live martyrs. To say, no, I am not going to let you take my faith in God away from me. I am going to live. I'm going to worship And I will worship publicly, even if you tell me I can't, because you have no right as a human authority. You have no right to take away my freedom to worship God. St. Thomas Aquinas says an unjust law is not a law. Exactly. And so some of the great minds of the church over the centuries. This is what's so interesting, Mary. I keep thinking over time I quoted... um, St. Catherine of Siena, you quoted uh, uh, um, St. Bernard. Bernard. There's other saints that have lived throughout history standing up for the truth and charity. And it just seems like today we're up against, our backs are up against the wall. We have the state coming, especially in California, telling us things that they have no jurisdiction over. And what's interesting about it is our Protestant brothers sued the state of California. Thank you, God. And they're doing great because and they're, and they're represented by the St. Thomas More Society, which is a Catholic group of attorneys. This is real ecumenism. This is real ecumenism. We work together for the kingdom of God. Exactly. That's what ecumenism is about, to right work on. together for the kingdom of God and to help each other to, to true worship, to the fullness of true worship. Yep. So we need to fight for our religious liberty. If yep. we're not willing 
uh, you know, it's funny. Marie Bellet wrote a song years ago. Mm-hmm. The man of the house was waiting for them at the door. He exposes their lies on the floor. He will fight for the right because there's wrong and there's right. There are things worth losing for. And at the time, I thought, oh, she's talking about the father of a family. And why does she say exposes their lies on the floor? And I thought, well, I guess that's an expression. And then I found out she wrote that song about Henry Hyde, mm. the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, that they're trying. The yeah. Speaker of the House. He was exposing their lies on the floor of the House of Representatives, the lie that women have a right to kill their own babies through abortion, through induced abortion. No, no one has a right to kill a baby. You don't have a right to kill anyone. It's not a right. You don't have a human right. We may have to defend our lives and, and, and to the point of, you know, death, but we, don't, we hope we don't have to. But and Mary, can I just jump in? You mentioned the Hyde Amendment. People would say, well, what is that? I guess, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just saying, that Hyde Amendment said we do not want to participate in funding abortions, okay? And now uh, we have an election coming up in 70 days, and one side, I'll just call it the Democratic Party, wants the Hyde Amendment to be abolished. Yep. And the other side, the Republican Party, says, no, we do not want to fund abortions. It's murder. And so we have to decide with the facts on where we're going to vote for I can't tell you how to vote, but I can tell you this right now. You don't want to vote for a party that's going to want to have your hard-earned money to be paid for the killing of innocent life. And again, religious liberty. Are you going to allow your religious liberty? And your religious liberty is about your all of us. Our religious liberty is about our duty to God. Mm. And our duty to God is first. That's the first commandment. Yeah. I am the Lord your God, he said. Mm-hmm. And you shall not have strange gods before me, yeah. including the governor of California or the president of the United States or, the, or any other ruler That's of right. any other country or the, the World Health Organization or yep. any other organization. Yep. God first. So we put God first. Yes, this is very scripturally based. <laughs> and we want to be faithful to the Lord until death. So that we might gain the crown of life. So we beg for that grace. And we thank you for joining us. And don't forget to pass us on with social media. Like us on YouTube and Facebook and all the rest. May God richly bless your family. And keep reading that Bible alongside with the Catechism of the Catholic Church. God love you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.